Welcome to the Wellspring Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this Sunday's service. All right, I have like 15 minutes to preach, so I'm going to try and preach 15 minute, um, uh, an hour message in 15 minutes, so... I'm going to talk fast, so I need you to listen fast. So, you guys, you guys doing okay today? Good. Um, I, I honestly, I, there's part of me that's like, I don't even want to preach. That was good. Like, that was enough. And so, um, but I really, I feel like the Lord wanted me to unpack something to you guys today. And um, over the last few weeks, we've been in a certain vein and I think three weeks ago, we talked about the fivefold ministry, talked about the Lord's leadership and, uh, and how he administrates his leadership in the body. And we talked about apostles and prophets and teachers and pastors and evangelists and that the Lord actually raises up people that equip and build up the body. And then the week after that, we talked about the gifts of the spirit, that the Lord actually, for each one of us here, the Lord actually has, as you said yes to Jesus and made him the Lord and you were baptized in his Holy Spirit as you received gifts of the Spirit that were not just, they weren't about you, they were about how the Lord was going to partner you to, join you to a body and you would be able to encourage the body. And you actually have, how many of you know in a family, everybody has responsibility. It's good for everyone to have responsibility. And um, use the example, you don't want to be the 40-year-old uncle on the couch who's demanding food and not helping. You want to be the person who is saying, hey, I don't have to do everything, but what can I bring to the table? And that's what the body looks like. But in that, um, we see, so we see the gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We see the spirit of the gifts in chapter 13. It's known as the love chapter, which it really talks about the, the nature and the spirit of God, that God is love. It's his heart. And that the gifts are meant to be motivated and in love. That everything in the kingdom, everything we do at the, as the church is built on the foundation of his lordship and his love. Right? And so... Um, so I unpacked that, and last week I, I veered a little bit, and I talked about humility and um, something else, humility and unity, and, um, and I actually want to unpack something today um, that I feel like is not talked about much at all in the church, that it's kind of this, um, this thing that's just like, hey, let's not talk about that. We know it's something, but is it something, or is it for today, or is it not for today? But I want to talk about the gift of tongues, and I want to really unpack that, and um, what I'm asking is that you guys um, take the posture of your heart to say, Lord, I'm open to whatever you do, and whatever you want to do, because I believe that this gift, I'm, I'm going to, I believe what I'm going to share with you today, pro, there's probably a good portion of you that have never quite heard it like this, okay, just because one, it, it isn't taught well, um, but there are really great teachings out there. And, um, but I want to build a foundation really quick before, um, I get into it. So really actually talking about the gift is only going to be about a third of the message because I want to build a really strong foundation for us to land on. Okay. All right. Y'all ready? 
If you, I, I, would, I would encourage you, if you have phones or, or a notebook and a pen, to take notes today. If you have your Bibles, follow along, because I'd rather you not just take my word for it, but that you would actually pull out the word of God and see what he has to say about this. And, um, and so what I want to start, though, um, I mean, you know, well, let me do this. Let me read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Um, it says, someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's spirit, for they make no sense to him. He can't understand the revelations of the spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the spirit. Those who live in the spirit are able to carefully evaluate all things, and they are subject to the scrutiny of no one but God. That last part sounds really good, right? It's like, you can't. You don't get to scrutinize me because I'm led by the Spirit of God. Um, but that's not the Spirit behind it, though. It's just I like to think of it that way. Hey, don't judge me. Only God judges me. Um, but he's saying this. He's saying without the Spirit of God, um, spiritual things are foolishness to you. When you, are, when you are not actually submitted to the Spirit of God, spiritual things become foolishness to you. You can't receive them. It is only by the Spirit of God causing you to, by uh, submitting to him, him revealing them, illuminating them, because you have come under, you have become teachable to him, because the Holy Spirit is our teacher. That's Jesus said, I'm sending you a teacher, the very Spirit of God. And he wants to come and teach you. But a lot of times, we, we are trying to a lot of times this is what we do, is we take spiritual things and we build it according to our understanding because we're not submitted to the Spirit of God. And we end up, actually I'm going to show you in a minute, what we do is we end up partnering with unbelief and we can't receive all that God has for us because we haven't come under the submission of His Holy Spirit. He is Lord. He is a Lord and... When there's a Lord present, you submit to his lordship. And I love that the Bible actually says that where the spirit is made Lord, there is freedom. The nature, the, the culture of heaven is freedom, but it comes with a heart response to who he is. If you see him and he is a king, there is a proper response to a king. If there is a Lord, there is a proper response. And I believe the Lord is wanting us to learn a proper response. It's why King David, whenever he was moving the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, and he, was, and he danced before the Lord, it says he took off his kingly robes. There was a response. He understood, I'm walking as a king, but as I step before the king, I have to lay down my kingly robes because there is a certain response to him. And I believe there is a certain response to the Spirit of God and to the Word of God that we have to come and be bendable and teachable, and we have to be willing to lay down our preconceived ideas and what we've formed in our minds. Amen? So I'm asking today that I think a right message and a right sermon shouldn't be just something where you're like, okay, that was good. I'm going to move on. I believe a right sermon that is anointed by the Lord should drive you to the prayer room where you say, Lord, teach me that. Right? Yeah. All right. So um, I, I talked about this actually a few weeks ago. Um, I'm going to hit on this. I got to move fast, but just track with me. Um, you were made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. 
okay? You have a spirit man that when the moment that you made Jesus Lord, your spirit man was born again. You were made alive to him, right? And then, um, and then you have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and emotions. This makes up um, a part of you, the, um, your, it is your, uh, the, the part of you that is the doer, it is the thinker, it's your, your mind, your will, and emotions, what you believe, what you think. You know, the Bible says as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. It is what, so the part of you that is your, your soul, is your heart, is that, that is kind of like the landing ground of, um, of what is your, your, you are being fed. You are, that, your soul is what is being fed by either the spirit or the flesh. And it's out of that place that you live. It is actually the, what comes from your life, what we see and what is visible will come from the state of your soul, of your heart, right? And so, again, remember, we're talking about, um, I, I, in First Corinthians, what I just read is being a spirit-minded person, okay? And this is all irrelevant to uh, the gift of tongues. Um, so your body um, is flesh and bones, right? You have... You have certain instincts and desires because of your flesh. How many of you are getting hungry because lunch is coming up? All right, you can be honest. Nobody's hungry, so we're good. Um, <laughs> we'll stay here another couple hours. Everybody's good. Um, you should have grabbed a scone in the coffee shop. Um, but your body has needs. But I can tell you this is your, while your, your, your body isn't, uh, you know, let me say this. The, in the Christian world, a lot of times, you talk about flesh and body, and, and, uh, and it's almost made to be a negative thing. But I can tell you this. Your body and your flesh submitted to the Holy Spirit and to, to the Spirit of God really gets to carry and encounter the glory of God. You are a dwelling place for his Holy Spirit. So it's not that, hey, your flesh is terrible. You just need to, you know. You know, when Paul was talking about I beat my body in submission, he wasn't saying like I punch myself in the face until I do what I'm supposed to do. He was saying my body is submitted to a higher authority. And so a lot of you, though, I can say this, and this is why as we talk about the gift of tongues, why it's so important is that many of us, we are controlled because our bodies have been telling our soul, have been feeding our soul. We have polluted our minds with carnal thoughts with impure sexual thoughts, with, with just giving into whatever desire our body gives. And, it, and what it does is it leaves us in a place where we are dominated by the flesh. And it's not how God designed you. So what happens is your spirit man is meant to come alive to him. And as you feed on things of the spirit, it influences your soul. And ultimately your body submits to what God is saying and doing. Right? I found this with fasting. It's a beautiful thing. Fasting isn't some like just religious thing. It's not something you do just a certain time of the year. Let's do 21 days at the beginning of the year just so we can check it off the list. It is actually you taking your eyes off of what's in the natural and putting a bigger emphasis on what is unseen in the supernatural. That is what fasting is doing. It is, it is actually putting more of an emphasis on one thing than another. And I found this is when I fast and I tell my body, hey, we're not going to do that right now. We're not going to eat right now. I find myself actually all of my desires lining up with the Lord. I find, I find myself not wanting to do other things. Like, I just don't, I don't really feel like binge watching Netflix right now because my desires, I've intentionally turned them to something else. Right? And so my point is, is that your body should be being influenced by the spirit. 
And your soul should be being influenced by the spirit. If there was a totem pole, it should be your spirit, your soul, and your body. The body is a terrible leader. Right? All right. So our spirit man, though, must be in submission to the Holy Spirit. If you want to be a person who is led by the spirit, you must be led by the spirit. Right? You, you come to a submission to the Holy Spirit. Um, so many of us are, can become bound in our soul when we aren't submitted to the Holy Spirit. Because, again, our soul is feeding on the wrong thing. Spirit gives birth to the spirit, and flesh gives birth to the flesh. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 through, the five, 3 through 5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not with the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Remember that word, strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So he talks about demolishing strongholds, and we say, well, what strongholds? And then he really gives us, he paints a picture. He says, there are arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So a stronghold is an agreement with something contrary to God's heart and design. It is, when, it is um, worldly reasonings, ideologies, and philosophies that are man-centered, proud, and self-confident. That's a stronghold. And you know, what, you know what strongholds produce in your life is unbelief. And while the Lord is patient with your unbelief, he will never partner with your unbelief. And I believe that the Lord today in the church, in the body, is wanting us to come out of a place of unbelief. When we allow, what, what we do many times is when we are not coming under the lordship of Jesus and his spirit, we begin to form our own self-centered, man-centered ideas about things, and they can even seem right and good and spiritual, but they're in contradiction to his heart. If you find yourself in a place where you, your initial reaction to things, to the things of God is not the limitlessness of God, but is that, oh, that's not for now, that's not for today, or, or you know, we shouldn't do that, then you might have unbelief in your heart. A great picture is whenever uh, the disciples are on the boat and Jesus comes walking up on the water, and the disciples are freaked out. They're like, it's a ghost, <laughs> right? And, but Peter says this, if it's you, Lord, if it's you. He didn't respond in unbelief. He said, what if our response to the Lord say, hey, if it's you? If it's you, Lord, call me to yourself and I'm coming out where you are. I believe that's where the Lord wants to call you. It's where your, your reaction to things isn't, oh, look, that's for everybody else, not for me. You're limiting yourself. You're robbing yourself. But what if it was like Peter who said, Lord, this looks crazy and scary, but if it's you, I'm in. When has God ever done things that make sense? When has God ever done things that weren't offensive to human reasoning? Jesus came and he's like, I'm just going to do things, everything opposite of what you've known, so that you can see that God's not caught up in the limits. He's not restricted. He's not bound by the rules. He cares more about you catching his heart. He cares more about you encountering him and knowing him because we're really good at building structure and forms to try and fit God into. That's what we do. It's our safety. Be safe. We know this. But the Lord calls us into this life of adventure. 
That's why I'm okay if we don't get to preaching. If, we, if it gets a little wild and people dance and we've got flags, it is an expression of worship to him. Okay? And, and if you, but don't limit God to your understanding and experience. That is a stronghold in your life. And I'm not saying that to to beat you up. I'm saying that the Lord has so much more for you. You are limiting what he can do in you. And my desire is your pastor is to come and say, I want you to fully experience the inheritance you have in Christ. Amen. All right. So today might look like for some of you, you say, hey, I've got... I, I." I think all of us could probably just assume we may have some strongholds and we may have some places in our lives where we don't think like he thinks. I generally choose to just assume that I'm not thinking the way the Lord thinks and so I need to come to him and say, how do you think? I just take the good route of saying, Lord, I'm just assuming I don't know. And it's a good place to be. It's the life of repentance where it's saying, Lord, you can change the way I think. Some of you, you need to come into that relationship where you give the Lord permission to change the way you think. <clears throat> I wasn't planning on saying this, but I'm going to say it. I went through a season a few years ago where, um, and I believe the Lord brought me on this journey because I wasn't asking for it and it wasn't fun. But I began to question, not, not the reality of something, but the operation and the function of some things even within the church and some things that had like communion for me. I'd done it my whole life, but I was like, Lord, this has just become, like I know it's sacred. I know it's sacred, but I I feel like it's just become something I do and I don't know if I have your heart. And so I had to bring it before the Lord in humility and say, I don't know, I need you to teach me. And there were things, and and that's just one thing. There are many things that I just said, Lord, like when it came to just how we do church, I had to say, Lord, I'm battling some things. There's some frustrations, but Lord, how how do you think? And it's a life of repentance. It's like, Lord, I thought it could could be your marriage and your family. Lord, I thought I was supposed to be this, but I need you. I need you to shape my thinking. I need you to shape the way, like there is so much more. All, All I know is I want his ideas. I want to be in so close proximity to him that I hear what he's saying and know what he's wanting to do and just to be a part of his thing. I love him. I found this is that, look, I I hope you have, you ever heard of FOMO, fear of missing out? I hope you have FOMO when it comes to the things of God. Like I do, like I don't want to miss it. Like if it's you, I, I feel like Peter in the boat saying like, Lord, if that is crazy that you're walking on water, And I have no idea why you would do that. There's plenty of good land around here. But if you're doing that, I want to be where you are. And yes, it doesn't make sense. And it looks crazy. But if it's where you are, I'm in. Gosh. And and guess what? Peter, he was the guy who got to say, I don't think he bragged about it. Maybe he did. But... He's like, I walked on water. None of the other disciples could say that. He said, I went with him. And I want to be like that. I believe the Lord is looking for people who are saying, Lord, if it's you, call me to yourself. I believe that's what he's saying to the church. Lord, that, that it, will you come to me in that way where you say, Lord, if that's you, I don't understand that. But if it's you, I'm in. 
I love y'all. All right. I got to keep moving. Um, all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start. Gosh. Can y'all give me like 10, 15 minutes? Y'all good? Everybody good with that? All right. All right. So we're talking about being in agreement with the Spirit, right? So how do we have relationship with the Spirit? I want to talk about really quick. Um, I want to talk about baptism. We hear about the baptism of his, the Holy Spirit, okay? Um, how many of you, you've heard of water baptism before, right? That's, that's where we see disciples baptizing disciples. It is the de- declaration of this is what the Lord has done. It is an outward declaration of an inward experience. It is saying this is what has happened, right? In a couple weeks, we're going to have Baptism Sunday. It'll be the first time we've done it like this, but we're going to have our baptism on the stage during worship. We're going to focus on two things. We're going to focus on, um, look, if if you were baptized when you were like three years old, and and for you, you're like, I I know I was baptized. I'm saying, if the Lord is renewing something in you, let's baptize you. Let's declare it, okay? Whether it was 10, 15 years ago, it it is an outward declaration of an inward experience, right? An inward transformation, and then we're also going to make room for saying, listen, if, if you feel like, hey, I need a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit, we want to lay hands on you and pray for you. And I'm going to explain that in just a minute. It's because I believe this, when it comes to the baptism of the Spirit, John the Baptist said this. He said, he was talking about Jesus. He said, when he comes, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. So who baptizes you? Jesus, Right? Jesus baptizes you. The Romans says that no one without the Spirit of God can say Jesus is Lord. So I believe this, according to Scripture, is the moment you said Jesus is Lord, you, Jesus has baptized you in his Holy Spirit. Now, we do see biblically that there is a baptism of the Spirit by the laying on of hands. And how about that God is in both? It is both and. Why are we limiting God and building rules? He is in both. Amen? And so... Um, both are biblical. Then, then John said, and he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. And I want to paint this picture is that the Holy Spirit in you is for you. The Holy Spirit or the fire, baptism of fire, is for what you're going to do. It is for others. There is a baptism, baptism of fire that purifies. It is, it is the love of God that purifies. It sets you apart. It consecrates you. Okay, it isn't just, um, you know, we see, we see on the day of Pentecost, right, that there was a baptism of fire, right? And so those are the three baptisms. And so if you have made Jesus Lord, you can simply say, Jesus, I receive your Holy Spirit. You don't have to run around the church. You don't have to do backflips. You don't have to any of that. You, You can say, Jesus, I receive your Holy Spirit. And some of you, you have the Spirit of God and you don't even know it. Because, but you say Jesus is Lord, right? So, um, so talking about that is that as we are baptized in his Holy Spirit, there are gifts, right? We talked about that three weeks ago, two weeks ago. Um, I, I, and so what I want to do is one of those getting into talking about the gift of tongues. I want to teach you for a moment, okay? Take good notes. Um, I want to tell you about my experience, <clears throat> okay, uh, with, the, with when, uh, really being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, no one prayed for me, laid hands on me. But I, it did come with the gift of praying in a heavenly language, Okay, I was probably 13 years old. I was at a youth meeting, 
And um, I, we actually were doing like this outdoor worship service and I was sitting with some friends on a blanket and we were really goofing around. We weren't even like into it. But this guy at the end of it got up on the piano and he started playing. I was like, this is really good. And um, <clears throat> as he was playing, I just closed my eyes. And in that moment, I was, I, and it, I'll say what was happening in my heart is as I closed my eyes, I just opened my heart to the Lord in a moment. And in that moment, the Spirit of God came upon my life. He filled me, and I began to speak in tongues. I didn't understand it, but um, I, encountered, I, I encountered the Lord in that way, okay? Um, so that was, that's what happened for me. No one had to pray for me, lay hands on me, but in a moment of having an open heart and being receptive to all the Lord had, it happened, okay? So... Let me do this. There are two types. I'm gonna, there, there are actually four expressions of tongues that we see in the Bible. Okay? I'm going to talk about two of them. Okay? Um, the first one, which is the most uncommon manifestation, is other languages. What happened on, on the day of Pentecost? It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 6, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So it was the Spirit that enabled them. Now... Uh, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. So there are people from everywhere. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard their own language being spoken. So this manifestation was actually um, someone speaking in a tongue that they didn't know, but someone else knew. And they were speaking the mysteries of God. Okay? That isn't the most common manifestation Okay, I think if, if somebody was doing that and they were speaking to, like I just know English, so I, I'm I, I'm not the interpreter of tongues. But there is also the gift of interpretation, where God gifts someone to interpret it, and I'm going to get more into that in just a moment. Um, in uh, in First Corinthians, Paul is talking to a church that is passionate about the speaking gifts. Okay, if you read. First Corinthians, that's what they are passionate. They love prophecy. They love speaking in tongues. They love words of knowledge, words of, men, of wisdom. And Paul is coming and he is actually bringing order to the body because they were like running around just so excited about the gifts that it wasn't actually helping anybody. And what did we talk about with the gifts of the spirit? What are they for? The building up of the church. They're for the encouragement, right? So the Corinthian church, they're so excited. It's kind of like if you've ever given your, um, like my kids, you, they get new toys and they're super excited about it. And I found this with most kids is you give them a toy and they will find all kinds of ways to use it that it was never meant to be used. Just what they do. Like, hey, I got you a Nerf gun. You're not, you're supposed to shoot the dart, not hit your brother over the head with the gun, okay? And so they, it was like they had what they were so excited and passionate about, but they didn't understand how it was supposed to function to where it was good for everybody. And so Paul comes and he's saying, hey, I'm glad that you're excited about them. I actually commend you, but let me help you understand what they're for. And so there is actually a, so talking about that first speaking in tongues is that that is a corporate manifestation. It is that it is a sign for others, right? 
So that's the first one. But then there is a private manifestation. It is one of the few gifts that are actually meant for you personally to be encouraged is where the second one is a heavenly language. And this is what um, 1 Corinthians says. It says, Paul says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Right? So there, so we see a contrast here, right? In Acts, they were speaking in tongues, and it was other languages, and it was a sign for unbelievers. Here, Paul is saying, when you pray in the Spirit, you're praying in a heavenly language, and nobody understands but God, not even you. And I believe some of us, we just need that because... We get in our way a lot of times with our thinking. God knew this. He's like, you're ADD, and you, um, you try and pray, and you don't know what to pray. You're like, he's like, you're not good. At no, that's not God's heart. I'm, I'm joking. But he gave us a heavenly language in which we are speaking. To our spirit man is speaking with God. So you don't understand. Guess who else doesn't understand? The enemy doesn't understand what you're praying, Right? Um, it goes on to say, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. What is Paul saying? He says, I want you all to speak in tongues. Why would there be something that could build you up and God only chooses it to give that to a few people? The truth is, is Paul saying, um, He's saying here, inspired by the Holy Spirit, I pray that every one of you would pray in tongues. Why? It's because you become edified. He wants you built up. Um, I I, I heard an example given like this. Imagine that the Holy Spirit is a river, okay? And you walk into the river. You you feel the river. You are... are, um, you feel the, the waves, you feel all the, the things, but you are ultimately, you could stand there and be in the river, but you could be actually in contention with the flow of the river. And if you want to actually be in it and encounter it, you actually have to give way to the flow of it. So you can actually, I believe you can have the spirit of God and actually be in contention or just be unopen to, what he, to what he, where he is moving and what he wants to do, Okay. Um, but Paul is saying, I want all of you to speak in tongues. You should ask, all right? I'm about to give you just some real practical things. Um, so then he goes on to say, the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Paul, overall in 14, he is bringing order to the church. He's saying this, uh, this is what I have to assume is happening in the church is somebody's getting up and they're praying in a heavenly language and there's nobody who can interpret. And so we're sitting here listening to somebody say something that nobody understands and it's just taking up time and it's, and nobody's being built up or encouraged. Okay. That would be weird. Look, there's been times and even here in the early days where we, have, we had people who nobody knew would just kind of come in. They weren't really part of the family, and they would stand up, and they would just start speaking in tongues. And I would just be like, oh, like, I appreciate your passion, but this isn't helping anybody. And, um, and so Paul says, hey, there is interpretation of tongues. He said, you should all ask that you can interpret. But if there's not, it's not known that there's interpreter, then just be okay with keeping it between you and God. Okay, but I will say this: there is place for tongues in a corporate setting. 
Uh, I, there has been lots of argument where people say, hey, we shouldn't do that. I remember a few months ago, Austin came up and she said, hey, let's just begin to pray in the spirit. And, um, and we had a couple people who, who brought up the question like, hey, is that appropriate? Should it be done? Yes, it is appropriate. It'd be one thing if I got up here and I tried to speak to you in a heavenly language with nobody to interpret. You'd be like, all right, we're out. All right. But it's another thing if we say, hey, what we feel like is we need to come into agreement with the Spirit of God corporately. We need to do this. And, we might, and we're probably not going to do this the whole time, but we just need, we need to release that in the room. There is singing in the Spirit, okay? And so it is encouraging. It is okay for you to be encouraged in the church through others and through the Spirit of God within you, okay? Y'all good? All right. Um, so he was coming and he was bringing order. He said, I'd much rather someone have a prophetic utterance that you understand than somebody to say 10,000 exotic heavenly words, right? That no one understands. That's what he was saying. All right. So let me give you four quick things and we're wrapping up. I'm landing right now. Um, so here are four things about um, praying in the spirit. One, it is a willed activity. Meaning this is that it's not going to be you just randomly start you, like uncontrollably, you're speaking. it is a willed act, okay? You decide whether or not you want to do it. Um, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15, so what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I'll also sing with my understanding. Number two, it is a learned language. Um, how many of you came out the womb speaking perfect English? You didn't. I remember um, one of the best things with my kids is, uh, like, we, ate, we have eaten a lot of Chick-fil-A over the years with our kids. It's God's chicken. Um, <laughs> my kids love lemonade, and all of my kids have said lemonade different. We'd go to Chick-fil-A. My favorite one was, I can't even remember which child, but they would say, I want Oyade. And you don't even correct them because you're like, it's just really cute, you know? And, um, and so for you... In faith, maybe you're saying, Lord, I'm believing you for this gift because it's encouraging. Maybe it comes out like a syllable and you're like, this feels weird. It feels funny. It doesn't. But you should steward well. Steward well, even the little thing, the small beginning, right? Steward it. And in faith, steward it. When you're driving the car by yourself, praying in the spirit, and you're like, this, is, this doesn't feel weird, but I'm going to just press in. I'm going to press it. I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to steward this because it's a learned language. It is, it is not something you just all of a sudden I've mastered. Okay. So it is willed and it is learned. Um, three, it is building you up. Okay. In uh, Jude chapter one, verse 20, it says, but you, my delightfully loved friends constantly and progressively build yourselves up on the foundation of your most holy faith by praying in every moment in the spirit. Okay, so he's saying it, it's building you up. How many of you want to be built up? I, I believe that this is a gift that for many of you, if you begin to learn how, not if you begin to re, to open your heart and say, Lord, I want. I want this gift. I want to be able to pray in tongues. Give me a heavenly language. And you begin to steward that. You realize you're in, you can be wherever you're at and you can build yourself up. How, how many of you have ever gotten a prophetic word from somebody? They've come and they've encouraged you. Um, if you haven't, we'd love to prophesy over you. Prophecy is this. It's making the heart of God known. It's making the heart of God known and he loves you. So the spirit of God in you and you having a heavenly language is like you having this 
personal prophet in you that is like encouraging you and building you up. He's speaking over you, praying over you, interceding for you, interceding for others through you. And you might not understand it. You might not know. That's why in Romans 8, it says that, that as we pray in the spirit, that we don't under, sometimes we don't know what to pray, but the spirit of God knows the perfect will of God. And he prays the perfect will of God. So you're like, I don't know how to pray for me, but the spirit of God knows how to pray for you. And you don't know how to pray for your, your child, but the, but the spirit of God knows how to pray for your child. And that's another manifestation of it, is that you get to intercede for others in that. And uh, so the last one, number four, is you are praying the perfect will of God. What would happen if we weren't just saying aimless prayers, but we begin praying the perfect will of God? I believe this is what's happened for me many times as I begin to pray in the spirit, as I begin to pray in my heavenly language, is I don't know everything I'm saying, but I begin to sense the will of God. I begin to sense, oh, this is what's on God's heart. And it affects my prayer that I have in understanding. Right? So uh, let me just read Romans 8 and we're going to land with this. And in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or know the best things to ask for, but the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs too deep for words. God, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longings, yet he also understands the desires of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us, his holy ones, in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. Let me say this, is that the spirit of God wants to place you in the perfect will of God, wants you to live according to his purposes. There is no greater life than to live a life that is fulfilling his purposes in the earth. And the Spirit of God helps us do that. He, he trains us. He teaches us. He, he walks with us. And he shares with us the heart of God and the will of God and the purposes of God. And as we say yes to him, we get to walk that out. And a big part of that is us having a heavenly language. And so why don't you stand with me? And this is what I want to say as we're going. Is I believe there are two things that the Lord really desires for us. One he desires that all of you would speak in tongues. Now, nobody's going to make you. <laughs> Nobody, uh, nobody's going to criticize you if you don't. Truth. Jesus, again, he is patient with you. He loves you. He loves you if you say, hey, I just don't have faith for that right now. But this is what I would ask you. If you're in a place where you say, hey, I'm kind of, I'm kind of in between about this. Or, hey, I don't, I don't know what to believe. I'd say this get with the Lord. Come to him with humility and say, Lord, teach me. Because, but I'll, I'll say this to those who you say, hey, may, maybe you're in the place and you say, hey, I pray in the spirit. I'd say pray often. Just pray in the spirit. You have freedom, whether you are by yourself or in a corporate gathering, pray in the spirit. Okay. Um, if, if you say, hey, I, I haven't received that gift, but I want to, I'd say this, ask, ask desire the gifts. If you, you, we, there are people in this room that would love to just agree with you and pray with you. If you feel like, Hey, that's what I need. But I want to say this is that just for me as a young boy sitting outside on a blanket, goofing with my friends, the moment I opened my heart up, I was able to receive. 
The Lord is not stingy. He is good to you. And he desires, if there is something that can encourage you and build you up, he's not going to withhold from you. And so be encouraged. But if you are in that place where you say, hey, I'm just kind of, I'm not about it. I'd say get with the Lord. Maybe there are strongholds. Just assume that there are strongholds. Assume that there are some places of unbelief and the Lord is patient with you and he would love to come alongside of you and give you truth and he'd love to lead you and he'd love to change your mind to where you can encounter all that he has for you. I don't know about you, but I want all he has and I can say this for where the Lord is leading us and what he wants to do is we need this gift in operation. We need it. You need it. The Lord wants it for you. I want the full inheritance, right? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Come on, let's just lift our hands to heaven. Jesus, we love you. We honor you. King Jesus, we love you. We just, even now, we say, Lord, every high place in our minds, Lord, that's not the way you think, we just submit that to you. We, Lord, we, we repent this morning for um, holding on to our way and our thing and what we can understand. This morning, Lord, we want to know your thoughts, your ways. We want to be a people that say, Lord, if it's you, we're coming where you are. So even now, Lord, I just thank you for a, fra- a fresh baptism of your Holy Spirit in this place upon your people. I thank you for hungry hearts for more of you. So Jesus, we love you, we honor you, and we bless you. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Sermon of the Week. For more information, please visit us at thewellspringchurch.org.